Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is September 4th, 2020. David Gasper here with co-host Matt Carroll and special guest Steve Sparky Pfeiffer from 105.7 FM The Fan here in Milwaukee. On this episode, we will discuss the Brewers' playoff hopes, the path to the postseason after their series loss to the Reds, the emergence of Dan Vogelbach, as well as the slumping Brewers' middle infielders, and the case for Devin Williams to win Rookie of the Year. So first, want to uh, get to the Brewers' playoff hopes. They had a big series against the Reds uh, the, the past couple of days. Lost two out of three. Uh, and, and Sparky, you know, they had a lot of hope coming into coming into the series after the Royals game, and it, they just kind of fell flat there against Cincinnati. Again, this lineup has been an issue all year long. I, they just aren't that talented. Let's just be honest with what it is here. They're just not a talented lineup. And we've talked about it before with David Stearns. You know, when you look at this lineup coming into this year, it's probably the least talented lineup he's put on the field since he's been general manager. Part of it is you cut back payroll, right? So you had a cut corner somewhere. You don't have the one-year guys like Moustakis or Grandal that are, you know, vets that can go into the middle of the lineup and, and produce for you. So you have to rely on inexperienced guys like Luis Urias, who, again, had all the issues uh, in spring training, and then you get back to the extended spring training, and he has more issues as far as getting himself back on the baseball field and stuff about everything he was going through. So he gets a little bit of a late start to things. Uh, he gets off, hits really well, and now he's gone to slumping here as of late. And then you look at some of these other guys, Justin Smoke. That was a guy they were hoping for to go back to two, three years ago of being that guy. Uh, clearly, that did not happen. Uh, it did not work out. Brock Holt was another guy they thought uh, had good hit tools still and didn't hit well here at all. And then goes to his next team and is tearing the cover off the ball for the Nationals. But overall, I mean, you take Ryan Braun out of this lineup and say whatever you want about the old dude. When he's in the lineup, this lineup is just better. And when he's not in there, it's just not nearly as deep as it is when he's in there. And when you see the lineup come out and he's not there, you're just like, oh, boy. Well, it's going to be a struggle unless somebody gets going. And uh, you talked about talking about Dan Vogelbach. I mean, he's been a godsend for this Brewers offense. He really has been. I mean, they pick him up as an all-star last year. Uh, didn't hit for average or anything of the sort. And uh, he's come on, like, on fire, I guess, for the most part since he's been here, whether it be – with some power or just getting the base hits when you need it, whatever the case may be, he's been good. Yeah. I mean, two things happened recently. The Brewers just went on that, you know, nice little offensive run, call it what you will, four or five games. That's a nice offensive run for the Brewers this season. And then as soon as they did, they started, they won, it was four or five in a row. They had four or five in a row where they finally scored four runs or more. You had some hitters start to go through slumps at just the worst time. Um, Hura and Urias, again, in the middle. Urias hasn't started since last Saturday. Remember, he was a nice little surprise early in the year once he finally got past the COVID thing. He was hitting the opposite fields. He was doing what you needed to do and actually – let allowed the bottom of the order to perform a little bit better than you would expect. Uh, he, along with Hura, Gar- uh, Abby Garcia has been in a slump as well recently. So yeah, it was guys like Braun and Vogelbach basically carrying us through some of those games. So you have that. And then, you know, yesterday you had Hauser who ended up pitching. I was kind of hoping that he maybe would be able to get a short start and piggyback another one of those long relief guys off of him. 
or possibly even push him out of the uh, starting rotation. But as Council had mentioned, they don't really have the ability to do that right now. They have so many games compressed here into the end of the season that they, they, they can't afford to just throw someone else in, in his place. They just kind of had to ride him for that rubber match game yesterday. And obviously it, you know, he gives up that homer right away to Votto, who I think I thought I read was 0 for 22 or something like that against the Brewers so far this season. Even he's allowed to punch one out of there off a of Hauser. And yeah, it's tough. So we lose all that momentum that we had from that nice little run. And I mean, granted, I'll give it to the Reds. They, they've been hot recently. They're as hot as anyone in baseball right now, which is why they've been able to kind of climb back out of the cellar. But still, I mean, that's a series that we needed. It's a series that we could have won. But yeah, that's kind of a letdown. Yeah, and I think that's just kind of a series that the Reds just wanted more. I mean, the, the way they kind of looked at it, I mean, the, the way the Reds were playing, they're, you know, getting the hits together. I mean, most of them were, were just home runs. I don't know if, if it ended up being all of them, but at least most of the runs that the Reds scored in those three games were off of the long ball. And the Brewers just kind of, you know, they, they just lost their uh, momentum, whatever whatever. They went against a, a very good pitching staff, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer. Um, you know, that, that's really kind of tough for, for any hitters. And they were just kind of getting their confidence back. But they were facing a Royals pitching staff, which, granted, is not anywhere near as good as what the Reds have to offer. Um, but, you know, just kind of um, now coming into we're going into the final five games of the season – all against the Cardinals. They're one game back of the Cardinals. They're one game back of the wild card spot. They're one game back of the number two spot in the division. Uh, Fangraphs currently has their playoff odds at 51.4%, um, which was a huge drop from uh, the day before. They, I think they're at like 68% prior to last night's loss. And, you know, now it's just kind of they're in a spot where they got to win – three out of three out of five to give themselves a chance and four out of five to really kind of solidify their playoff chances. Well, you know, the other thing too, and nobody's brought it up, but you, you aren't going to win much of anything when the MVP doesn't play like the MVP. I mean, he, he's sure. killing them. I, and you know, we can sit here and tap dance around. Well, it's Kessin Harris fault. Well, it's Luis Urias's fault. Okay. Well, we had expectations for Uri, uh for uh, Kessin here, obviously. Okay. We knew we thought he'd have some power, probably hit around 300. That obviously has not happened. The power has, but nothing else. Defensively, he stinks, which we all knew coming into the season anyhow. But Ricky Weeks stung too, like I've said before. And if you hit well enough, they'll they'll look past your defensive flaws at second base. I heard Tim Allen last night on the fan baseball post game show losing his mind about Kesson here not being able to throw the ball to first base. And I just it's like, well, again, we went over this already. The issue here is Christian Yelich, right? I mean, if he's doing what Christian Yelich has done the last couple of years, he's hitting 310, 315, and, and, and hitting a bunch of long balls, that makes up for some stuff. I mean, they may have two, three, four more wins than they do right now, but fact of the matter is he's having an off year. I don't want to get rid of him. He'll be fine next year. It is an off year. Cody Bellinger, he's having an off year for the Dodgers. He's a beast, too. He's not playing well. It is what it is in this pandemic, but we talk about the next five games – they need him to play like an MVP for the next five games. If he does, then they got a chance to win three or four out of five here. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And look at his numbers. I touched on it a little earlier this season, but just the updated numbers for Christian Yelich with runners in scoring position. Last year, he was an absolute machine that uh, weighted runs created plus of 169, um, 327 average, a 693 slugging percentage. I mean, the guy just came up when you needed him, which is exactly what an MVP does. This year, average of 139, slugging 333, 629 OPS, strikeout rate of almost 40% with runners in scoring position. That, you, you, just, you can't have yeah. that. And just think of how many big situations there's been. You know, one or two guys get on base and Yelich coming up to the plate. Just last night, uh, Nottingham hits the single. Um, Garcia moves him over to third, which he luckily got into third. He should have been out by a mile on that play. Um, but runners at the corners, zero outs. Christian Yelich coming into the plate at Great American Ballpark, which, like, last year this would have been dream scenario, yep. and he strikes out. And so the next two guys. But Yelich, of any of those guys, should have been the one to come through. And too many times this year he didn't. I agree with you. Get past this weird 60-game season where no one quite has the time to get into their groove. He's going to be fine going forward. But when we're talking about this year's playoff odds, you can't do it without that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's really kind of been the centerpiece to the whole thing. And I think throughout the whole season, you know, all all of us Brewers fans have been saying, it's like, oh, yeah, once the Elch gets going, we'll be, we'll be fine. Well, once he gets going, we'll be fine. And he hasn't gotten going. He's at like a couple of spurts, you know, a game or two where where he looks good, you know, gets a home run, gets a double, goes to the opposite field one or two times. He looks like his old self. And then he falls back down again. And for whatever it is, whether he's pressing too much and just kind of putting too much on himself mentally, um, he just kind of hasn't, hasn't gotten himself that way. And, you know, I kind of, I kind of equated a little bit to Travis Shaw in 2019. Started off slow, really kind of started pressing at the plate, which just kind of pushed him into a, a further slump, into a, into a tough mental spot where he's, he's just trying so hard to produce and it just isn't going to lead to any sort of success and it, it ends up hurting the team. Yeah, it does. No question about it. And, you know, we can we can bang on Christian Yelich and talk about how he hasn't done his job. But the fact of the matter is some other guys have stepped up uh, and done their job. And Dan Vogelbach obviously is one of them when we talk about the offensive production. But I think you could say Jacob Nottingham has been a pleasant surprise right now at this level coming up. I mean, you get in a situation, you're thinking, oh, boy, we got to call him Nottingham. And grant you, Nottingham coming up, I thought if they acquired him in that trade coming up, I thought, okay, maybe this is our catch of the future. Maybe we got somebody finally and hadn't really seen it. And offensively and defensively, I mean, when he catches and they pitch, they normally do pretty well with Jacob Nottingham behind the plate, so that's not an issue. And his bat has come to play in this 60-game season. Yeah. He's going to play more than Narvaez's bat has. <laughs> Well, yeah. Like Narvaez is, is another one of those guys that, you know, we talk about, you know, guys coming into the off into the offense in the offseason trying to uh, replace the production that the Brewers had last year. Omar Narvaez, he hasn't been anywhere close to to what the Brewers needed. He's still hitting, I think, like a buck seventy, a buck eighty, something like that. And he's trying to replace Yasmani Grandal, who was, you know, basically the most productive offensive catcher uh, in baseball. And and Narvaez has come in. He's really kind of he's struggled. He hasn't been able to get it going. Um, but I mean, he's under control for a couple more years. So the Brewers aren't going to DFA him like they did uh, Justin Smoke. And 
now Nottingham is essential. I, he's got to be the starting catcher going forward, at yeah. least through the end of this year. Yeah, I, I agree. Narvaez is one of the more puzzling ones because you got a guy like Smoke and you got a guy like Jericho. They're, uh, they had rough years last year, but success earlier than that. And so you were hoping they could tap into some of the stronger seasons they had you know, two, three years ago. Narvaez's was recent. He was good offensively last year. He was good offensively the year before. So for him to just have nothing to show for it, just to do a complete 180 is uh, disappointing to say the least. But absolutely, Nottingham's got to be in that lineup. If he's giving you the best chance to win, he's got to be in the lineup. And defensively, he, like you said, he absolutely is too. Narvaez has been better than advertised defensively but still average I mean it's not like he's a web gem every night kind of guy um throw the sheriff behind the plate yeah I, I mean it's it's been uh, some else I believe it's going to be Corbin Burns uh night uh tonight here on Thursday and Nottingham has really kind of been uh the the guy for Corbin Burns and they've really had uh, incredible success with, with those two paired together. They they worked together a lot throughout the minor leagues as Burns was coming up and, and Nottingham was coming up. Uh, they know each other pretty well. And, you know, Burns, his turnaround ha- has also really kind of been key. I mean, the pitching staff has really kind of been the, the stronghold for this team all season long. Uh, and, and the development of Burns is something that um, I've been on for a couple of years now um, and, and have seen coming. But, you know, after his struggles last year, you know, there weren't a lot of outside expectations for Burns. Um, but now, I mean, he's kind of come in. He's got Nottingham catching him. Uh, he's dominating pretty much every time out. And, and he's made himself into uh, an, an NL Cy Young contender. I don't know if he's going to be able to win, especially after the performance Trevor Bauer put up uh, the other day and the, and the performance Jacob deGrom put up. So if, if Corbin Burns is going to win, it's going to take an extra special performance uh, here against the Cardinals for him to get there. And you look at Corbin Burns, what happened? He added a cut fastball, uh, and that kind of changed the game for him. I was just reading a piece earlier today about that four-seam fastball and how that was his go-to pitch, you know, and now he's barely throwing it. And before, that was his pitch. And now he's got the cutter, he's got the cut fastball. He's just rolling along here, and I just think it's one of the more remarkable turnarounds I've seen. I mean, this dude wasn't not just out of the major leagues. They send him home from the minor leagues and said, uh, go to our, quote, pitching lab down in Arizona and work on your stuff. And when you get to that point, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I mean, obviously they like him, they have expectations, but really, I, what, what's going to happen next year? Nobody. And I don't care if you're David Stearns, Craig Council, anybody in their farm system, nobody saw him competing for a Cy Young prior to this season starting. No chance. Oh, stop it. Stop oh, it. I have been Cy on Young. this. Stop. I have been on – you can – I got the receipts. I, I've been on the Corbin Burns Cy Young train for so long. And oh, last year, though? I, I, I still saying he's, he's going to win a Cy Young. And, and he's, he's going to be that guy. And, yeah, it, it was uh, – we had a Robert Murray on a couple weeks ago, and we were talking to him about this. It, and it was basically, you know, like same kind of thing. Like no one else really kind of saw this coming, but – you know, the, the Brewers believed in him and, and knew he had the stuff, and and he, he's he got it, you know. And, and again, I don't know if he's going to win it this year, but he's got the stuff to, to be able to win 
at least one, you know, maybe a couple of, of Cy Youngs throughout his career. You're like a proud papa of a, of a boy <laughs> that made it to the big leagues. I look at the big star I am. I am. Right, I get it. So, Corbin Burns. Right, Corbin Burns, stud, right? Woodruff, stud at the beginning of that rotation. In the bullpen, you still have Hader back there. Don't know if I'm much longer, but you still have Hader. And then Devin Williams, man. I mean, again, this kid was drafted. He was a starter, had some control issues, so forth. Uh, and now has put it together in this Brewers bullpen and has become a dominant force in the back of that bullpen. For the first time, probably in my lifetime, you've got all of these young guys that have come up through your farm system, and you've got a bunch of them all pitching at a high level all at the same time, which is pretty exciting, I think, as a Brewers fan because they need to spend money on a first baseman and a third baseman going forward because that's a position they need to fill. And if they don't have to worry about filling – with big money pitchers, which they shouldn't have to with Woodruff and Burns at the front of the rotation, this should set them up for some good long-term success. Yeah, I mean, having Burns do what he's done this season, think about the beginning of the year, going into it, and our pitching staff. You had Woodruff as your clear ace. Outside of him, who is going to be that next guy that you leaned on? I mean, Adrian Hauser? Like Josh Lindblom was coming over from the KBO, but you know, was he going to be able to do anything close to what he did? You didn't have that second guy and teams need, if you're going to compete in the postseason, teams need that second or third guy. And Burns now has come to arguably be the best pitcher. I don't think it's even an argument at this point. He's the best starter on the Brewers, but you combine him with Woodruff who, you know, he just needs to settle down from having that big inning every once in a while. That's a one-two punch that you can actually make a run with, which is why it's so frustrating that the Brewers can't just lock down this spot because with that at the beginning, and then you shorten to three-man, four-man rotations or whatever in the playoffs, they can set up pretty well in that type of a series. They just got to get there. Yeah, and it's really just, offense and the pitching staff that the Brewers have I mean they're going to be scary if they get in for a three-game series like even if it's against the Dodgers even if they're the eight seed having to face the Dodgers in a best of three you throw Corbin Burns game one Brandon Woodruff game two I mean it that that's as as good of a, a group as as Walker Bueller and Clayton Kirk or Dustin Mayer whoever the Dodgers have in, in their rotation I mean, that, that's as, as good of a group of guys uh, that you can get. And if the offense can just get enough run support for those guys, you know, just probably just two or three runs or two, three, four runs are needed. If they can get that, I mean, the, the Brewers can really lock it down. If they can get that lead early, have Corbin Burns or Woodruff go six or seven, then Devin Williams and Josh Hader to lock it out. I mean, that's you, you can win a series that way pretty quickly. Somebody needs to go beg Lorenzo Cain to come back. That, that's what somebody <laughs> needs to do. Somebody yeah. needs to go beg Lorenzo Cain. Look, dude, start warming up, get ready. If we make the playoffs, will you come back and help us in our lineup in the playoffs? Because that would be a huge jolt to this lineup to have Lorenzo Cain back in that lineup, fully rested with all this time off, get him some at-bats down at the uh, affiliates. But yeah, L- Lorenzo Cain, if, if they can get him back, I mean – I think it's too late for that now, and he's not going to be able to opt back in. And um, But, yeah, I mean, losing Lorenzo Kane, it was really kind of the, the tough thing for, for this team, especially losing him so early in the in the season. They only had like three games of them before he decided to opt out. 
Uh, but I mean, he, he's a leader in the clubhouse. Um, you know, he brings he, he brings that kind of energy. Um, and w with him gone, they, they kind of lack that level of leadership and, um, it just kind of made their offense struggle throughout um, the, the whole rest of the season. Yeah. And it's unfortunate too, because he was already looking better than uh, last year when he struggled, he was getting hits right away. He was getting on base right away. And those are the exact things that the Brewers needed this season um, was someone who could sit atop the order, get on base, set the table, who knows what that would have done for some of the guys who struggled early, you know, like Yelich or whomever had things started a little bit differently. Um, instead, we get a, a lineup that features names like Jace Peterson. Yeah, right. Jace. And you have a chance to make the playoffs with a lineup that features Jace Peterson. Think about that for a second. I mean, thank God for expanded playoffs, right? And you're in this situation now where you really only need to get hot for three or four days to put yourself in the postseason. Yeah, and, and Jace Peterson, I mean, they're, they're trusting guys that, you know, the, the Brewers' playoff chances are really kind of resting on Jed Jerko and Dan Vogelbach at, at this point. Like, that's that, that's just kind of the truth of it. Like, those two have really kind of been the, the sparks on offense. They're depending on Ryan Braun to be healthy enough over the final games to, to play and be effective. And you know, we tried pushing through um, during the, the Royal Series, like back in Miller Park, and you could tell his back was bothering him. He couldn't really uh, do all that much, but he's trying to push through, trying to play. Um, and, you know, he sat out yesterday uh, for, for more maintenance for that back. And, I mean, he's probably going to have to play at least four games in this Cardinals series um, if the Brewers are going to, to have a chance. Because if he just misses too much more time, I mean, it's he, he's clearly the best guy that – that they're going to have, especially here in the month of September. And without Braun, they're depending on, you know, Yelich and Hira to, again, try to find themselves when they haven't been able to all season. And they're depending on Jed Jerko and Dan Vogelbach to provide the bulk of the offense. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely not how you went into this season, thinking you think you've got your main uh, core, Yelich, Braun, Hira, Kane, and – out of that four, Hira had a good run for a while. Braun does now, but that that was supposed to be your offense right there. And you think of that before the season starts, and hey, you know we're going to have a good chance more often than not with that. Um, and then as the center of the offense, and then that allows you to do the figure things out around it a little bit more successfully, I guess. Um, that's not what happened, and yet here we are. We're one good series. Honestly, a series win might even get us in. Yeah, it's it's honestly just kind of so weird. I mean, if they win three out of five, they'll be at 30 and 30. They'll be at 500 on the season. And 500 is something that they have not been able to get over that hump all year. I think they've had, they're at nine times now the Brewers have been at 500 and they have not been able to get over it. They, they haven't been over 500 all season long. They get to it. They always lose that game and, and fall back down that they've been somewhere between 500 and four games below 500 pretty much all season. And it, it's been fairly steady actually um, with, with where they're at, but they just haven't been able to, to get hot, get on a good streak. Um, 
And, you know, like we've been talking about with the offense, I mean, looking at some of Kesson Hira's stats, I mean, he, he was 0 for 4 again yesterday, another couple of strikeouts. He's at a, a damn near 35% strikeout rate. Like, that, that, that is crazy, even for him. His last 15 games, Keston Hira is 7 for 48 with 23 strikeouts and a 146 batting average. Like, it's been, it's been so tough for him. And, and really, all of these guys, almost all of them have been, you know, somewhere around in the, in the 100 range uh, over the past week or two. And it's just made things so tough. Luis Urias has only gotten one hit since September 9th. He, he's had 21. He's won for his last 21. Um, the, the middle infield has been struggling. And, and like we were talking about earlier, you know, like Keston here can get away with, you know, random throwing errors and uh, generally not being able to field his position defensively. He can get away with that when he's hitting 300. But when you're hitting 200, you can't get away with that. You, you can't do that. And, and I said as such on Twitter last night, and it's just – it's just kind of the, the fact of it. Like, you can't do that when you're not performing in, in other areas of the game. Yeah, and I agree with you on that 100%. No question. And it's absolutely killing them right now because when you can't score runs and then you have fielding errors behind you that cost you runs at the end of the day, you know, when you're going to get struggle to get maybe two runs against the Dodgers or something like that, uh, and you're up or tied 2-2 and Hira throws a ball away and costs you possibly the game-winning run to cost you a game in a playoff game or to cost you a series, then there's really going to be a spotlight put on Keston here, especially if he didn't hit in that series. So there is that fine line that you're walking right now. But like you just said, there is no alternative because Urias can't hit either. So you have no alternative at second base unless you're going to trot that old guy, Jed Jerko, out at second and try and play Braun at first or something. I mean, you you really don't have an alternative. Yeah, and I mean, you're just putting more unnecessary pressure on the pitching staff too. A pitching staff that's had to be, you know, as perfect as they can be to even have the Brewers where they are right now. Um, it's taken efforts like a Brett Anderson coming out with a big game here and there, uh, Josh Lindblom doing what he does, having the tandem starts where Suter comes in and Peralta follows him. And those have actually worked out well for us in the past, but you, they, they've had no margin for error. And so you boot another ground ball or overthrow first and give them extra base runners or give them extra bases. And it's, it makes it even harder on them for the love of God, just give our starters a lead to work with for once and uh, stop giving up extra runs. Yeah. It, it's really just kind of been uh, a tough spot. And it's weird because the last couple of years, it's been the offense that has carried the pitching, you know, in 2018, the Brewers succeeded with Yolise Chassin and Wade Miley being the pitching staff. I mean, th- those are two guys normally you would never depend on uh, in a playoff race or, or really kind of think that they would be, you know, a World Series leading pitching staff. Uh, but the offense really kind of carried them. And then in the NLCS, the offense uh, went for the most part. Um, you know, the, the Dodgers pitching staff was just – it was just better. Uh, and, and they were able to, to take advantage. And, you know, if the Brewers had the 2018 offense with this 2020 pitching staff, they would be unstoppable. Because it's, it, it's honestly night and day between what they had with 
um, Yelich then and uh, with Moustakis and, and with Thames and Aguilar and, and all those guys and and with what they have now um, it's it's just it's crazy yeah I mean I think you're absolutely 100% right about that uh, and that's why I say you know going into the offseason you need to find a first baseman and a third baseman we just had David Stearns on our afternoon show the Wendy's Big Show the other day and I brought up the Stearns as far as how this is going to affect payroll going into next year as far as you know, COVID-19, the pandemic, and all of that, no fans in the stands, and how much more of a payroll drop are you going to have? But to the, to the same point, obviously everybody's going to be affected by whatever comes out of this uh, from a payroll structure. So I think whoever goes into free agency this offseason might be in a situation like a Moustakas or like a Grandal, good players, but might be stuck taking one-year deals trying to get to the next season when hopefully fans are in the stands and next offseason, you know, numbers come back to normal again. I think it's going to be a quiet winter. I don't think there's going to be a lot of money spent this winter, similar to, you know, a few years ago. And the Brewers could actually go bargain hunting here if they themselves have the money to spend on one-year deals next season. Yeah, I think – oh. Go ahead, Matt. No, I was going to say that speaks to what you were talking about earlier when you do have some of the homegrown guys who are actually stepping up and can provide a little bit more of the base for cheap. Um, it does allow you to do some of those things. Yeah, and I think also the, the emergence of Dan Vogelbach uh, really kind of could change things. I mean, he's played well. He's hitting 370 with an OPS over 1,000 since joining the Brewers. Um, and he's got control for the next couple of years. So the Brewers have control over him through 2024. Uh, so the, um, he can come back uh, and he can play next year. I think Jed Jerko's contract option should be picked up. Um, yeah, I think he's probably the only one of, of that group of one-year deals signed last winter um, that stands a good chance of, of coming back next year. And then with Vogelbach, uh, being able to be there at first base and you, and you can bring Jericho back, you can have that position covered. Uh, so that's one less place that, that they have to look, one, le- one less place that they have to spend extra money. Um, and, I mean, maybe, maybe there's a chance that Vogelbach could be the, the first baseman going forward. I, I, don't know, I don't know if he's going to be able to lock down that job, but, it, I mean, if he can continue hitting well, I mean, it, it's a very small sample size that, that he's put together. But if hitting at a fairly high average – um, they could keep him. But, but if he goes back down to hitting like 200, 210, um, and I think it's just another Chris Carter and they'll let him go. I, I think his future depends on the DH coming full-time into the National mm-hmm. League. And to be honest with you, I think everybody thinks that's about to happen. I don't think you're going to see the pitchers batting anymore. I really don't. This is something that I think Rob Manfred and some of the owners have wanted for a while. Uh, they've wanted seven inning doubleheaders for a while. A lot of what you're seeing in baseball stuff, they've wanted to try and push through to the Players Association, haven't been able to. Players Association finally gave in on all this stuff this year just to get back on the field and play. So I think a lot of this was probably maybe not the seven inning doubleheaders, maybe, who knows, but the DH I think does stay. If the DH stays, Vogelbox or DH fine, I still think you need a first baseman. Uh, at that point going forward. And then the elephant in the room still is Ryan Braun and that $15 million salary that he has, $4 million mutual option buyout uh, involved with the Brewers and Braun there. We brought that up to David Stearns the other day as well. And Stearns pretty much said Braun's going to go home and take a little while and kind of figure out what he wants to do going forward. You know, if he's not a Brewer, he's probably a Dodger. If there's a DH, probably more of a chance that he's a Dodger where he could just go DH, not have to worry about playing the outfield go back home and play for another year or so. 
that would make sense. Uh, if he looks at this team and says, you know, like I think, you know, you're a couple hitters away from being right back in the thick of this thing to try and win it next year. Maybe he does come back at a somewhat lesser number if they can get that done. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it starts off with Braun's decision and then depending on whether he stays or goes or they, you know, bring him back on a new contract, however that gets worked out, um, you kind of go from there. Luckily, you would have Kane back, and so you wouldn't necessarily need his presence in the outfield because you would have that covered with Yelich Garcia and Kane. So really you are looking at Braun at DH. Um, and then it, whether he is here or isn't, that's what determines what type of first baseman you go towards. Are you going towards one who's going to split time with Jerko Vogelbach? Would we end up needing Vogelbach at first? I, I agree that I would prefer him be a DH, um, but it what Braun does will determine what type of, you know, multi-tool, first base outfield, DH, whatever guy that Stearns tries to target in the offseason. Yeah, and I think with Braun, I think it might end up being something similar to what Ryan Zimmerman did with the Nationals uh, for this year because his big contract was up, and then Zimmerman signed like a one-year, $2 million deal or something just to kind of come back to the Nats. Um, and just, you know, play out another year because um, he wasn't ready to retire, but his contract was up and there was no way that they were going to pay him the similar money that he got paid before. And I don't think Braun's going to end up going to the Dodgers personally. I, I think it's either sticking with the Brewers or going into retirement for him. I mean, he's just – he's been with the Brewers for so long. Um, it, it's really – it's kind of his second home. And maybe a couple years ago, I, I think it was 2016, they were looking at a possible trade of Braun to the Dodgers. But at the point he's at, I, I feel like it's going to be either Milwaukee or or retirement with him. I'm not sold on that. I, I'm not there. And the only reason I'm not there is if that Dodger team is loaded next year and he thinks he has a chance to win a ring, and obviously they'll be more loaded than the Brewers from a financial standpoint and what they can bring. You've got young players coming up from everywhere all over the Dodgers farm system. Uh, I, I just – maybe I'll be wrong. And I, to me, it doesn't really matter. If he wants to go play for the Dodgers, go play for the Dodgers. I mean, you've put in more than enough time with the Brewers that I don't think anybody around here can be mad if you decide to go finish your career at home on a, on a one-year type deal. It'd be like Aaron Rodgers going and playing for the Diners. At the end of his career, if Jimmy G doesn't work out in San Francisco – and try and finish his career back at home. I think it would be, you know, similar situations for both. Uh, and if Braun feels they have a better chance to get him that elusive championship that he has not been able – he hasn't even been able to get to the World Series. He got to the NLCS a couple times, but he hasn't been able to get over the hump. If that that ring is an important deal for him, because he's not going into the Hall of Fame, if that ring's an important deal for him, then, yeah. I mean, why not? Why not try and go win it with, on paper, who the favorite will be next year, which will be the Dodgers like they are every year. Yeah, and let's not forget the wild card of just where the world's going to be at this point next year, too. You know, is COVID still going to be a thing? Does he does his family start to weigh a little bit more on his mind that kind of sways him towards retirement? It's it's all unknown at this point. I think, Spark, I think you guys mentioned on the show um, about potentially the Angels being a good destination, too, that also being over in California. Um they spent a lot of money this season to get absolutely nowhere. Had they been more of a contender, I bet that would have been even more of an option for him. But yeah, I think the Dodgers could be, if he wants to go ring chasing, which 
again, I agree with you. I mean, all the power to you if you want to get that one chance at that on the way out. Um, I think the Dodgers are the more likely for that, but it's it's hard to tell either way what direction he's going to lean. Yeah, I want to get into uh, one more topic here uh, before we uh, get going. Devin Williams, um, I mean, he, he's been great all year. Zero point three six ERA, eighteen point seven strikeouts per nine, fifty two Ks in twenty five innings. He, he's just been absolutely remarkable. Uh, he's rookie eligible, eligible for rookie of the year, um, and, and he's kind of in a battle with Jake Cronenworth of the Padres. Uh, I, I think Devin Williams should win it. I think he's just been outright dominant. Um, meanwhile, Cronenworth has been good, but he hasn't been dominant level good. And uh, really, Cronenworth has struggled lately. I mean, he's hitting a buck sixty-seven in his last seven games. He's hitting two seventeen overall in the month of September. Uh, so really, Cronenworth he just had a really hot August, um, and, and then he's just kind of been he he's been cooled down since. Um, so. D- I mean, Devin Williams. Do you think he's get? You think he's going to have the the rookie of the year, Sparky, or do you think he's going to end up falling a bit short? No, I think he wins rookie of the year. I saw Marcus Stroman tweet out. Uh, I think it was last night that he should win rookie of the year uh, as well. And I think I saw a thing on Twitter yesterday uh, that he'll be the first pitcher win rookie of the year since Degrom. I think, uh, which is that's pretty good. That's a pretty impressive yeah. deal uh, for sure. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. No question. Uh, and then you know what's what, what's going to occur here. Uh, you know, he wins rookie of the year, and then you're going to go into the offseason, and the conversation is going to start again about, okay, so what about Josh Hader? What do we do with Hader going forward? Now, this Devin Williams kid is a stud. So they can make him the closer, trade Hader. Maybe you bring back a young stud first baseman or a young stud third baseman that you can help build around going forward. Uh, or do you continue to play it out with Hader and go, go to arbitration every year uh, and try and win an arbitration? They did this last time. I don't think Hader was too happy about it. I totally understand why he wouldn't be happy about it because of the saves metric that they tend to use in arbitration. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, the better Devin Williams is, fans are going to view it as the more expendable Josh Hader may be going down the line if they continue to struggle offensively and need to fill holes in the lineup. Yeah, and that's something that – uh, we've talked about the past couple of weeks when we had Robert Murray on the show. Uh, he thinks that uh, Josh Hader is going to end up being traded at some point here down the line. And we'll see as we end up getting uh, closer to uh, Hader's free agency. And he may end up being expendable uh, as they get down the line. So unfortunately, due to technical difficulties we're having, we're going to have to cut the episode uh, right here, I'd like to thank you, Sparky, for uh, hopping on the show and joining us this week. Uh, we're going to be coming back next week with uh, hopefully a postseason episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. So for, for Sparky Pfeiffer, thank you again for joining us. For Matt Carroll, I'm Dave Gasper. We'll see you next week on the Cold Brew Podcast.